Welcome to Venture in the South, a podcast about startup investing in the Southern United States. Our hosts are experienced angel investors with over 90 startup investments. We'll share some Southern wisdom while exposing you to the vibrant startups in the South. Welcome to Venture in the South. I'm David, and I'm here today with Michael Stevens of Booster and more recently of Joy. And we're going to talk about their experience with uh, pre-revenue fundraising. But before we get into that, let me give you some background on Michael. Uh, he's a USC graduate. That's USC in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, basically majored in international studies and subsequently went into digital marketing, mainly in politics, and then into campaign management for multiple years. So the, he's he's a politician. And it was after that period of time, something like five or six years, that before he went into a startup that was video fundraising called Crowder. And that has has um, migrated or pivoted into Booster and most recently Joy. And he's going to talk about that. So welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, David. Give us a, a quick story about how this occurred. You, you started up with um, Crowder. You pivoted to Booster, and now Joy. So just give us a quick outline of how that came about. Sure. So it's quite the journey. Just hearing you talk about it is exhausting for me. But so just to give you a brief overview, we started with Crowder, which combined live video with fundraising. So we wanted to make it a conversational, immersive experience rather than just spamming people's emails. And that, you know, it, back then in 2015, that was a very new concept, right? So uh, we launched, well, first we raised a bit of money from from Venture South, which was help, extremely helpful. We built a web app and then we launched it and we learned that people didn't really want to have a new fundraising system. They wanted to use their existing fundraising systems and combine that with live video. We're like, well, we don't do that. Like that's, that's, that's not what we launched it for. And um, long story short, we decided to pivot into creating a, a mobile app out of it. We launched that into Booster. And we had, we had enough funds, thankfully, to do that. Problem is, Apple has very vague, or at least they did at the time, very vague um, uh, regulations and, and rules about exactly how to launch something in the App Store and what they, what they allow, what they don't allow. <clears throat> so we had to pivot into e-commerce, which is what they do allow, apparently, not fundraising uh, with, with live video. So you pivoted not because you wanted to, but in order to get the app published, you had to. Out of pure necessity, and it was a mad scramble to make this happen. Okay. And like I said, extremely vague rules, especially at the time in the Apple App Store. So we pivoted to e-commerce. We're like, okay, we're going to do e-commerce plus live video. No one else is doing that, uh, especially at the time. So let's do that, right? So we pivoted into that. We launched into it. And ran into the same problem where people wanted to use their existing e-commerce platforms and not learn a new one. And we're like, well, we don't do that. <laughs> so, um, so then in that experience, we learned that there was a, a, a niche market that really was attracted to live e-commerce, and that was the direct selling industry. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically think of Mary Kay, Young Living, um, those types of companies because they did a lot of party planning, uh, com- uh, uh, I guess, format. And so we we're like, okay, so we're gonna we're really investigate that. So I would moved, this would this be like the the cable channel that has selling jewelry and stuff? Is, basically, is it that concept. It's kind of like QVC, that sort uh-huh. of you know the HSN sort of uh, format, and that's what we were basically at the time. And and you know QVC HSN they didn't have apps anywhere, or especially in the in the Apple App Store. So that's that's kind of the concept. 
And um, but we want to do that for the direct selling market because they were already doing you know sales in each other's homes, but now they with with our app they could have it published to a, a wide so know, direct to consumer, direct to consumer. So once we learned that okay that was a thing, I moved out to Salt Lake City for about a year, just living in Airbnbs, um, which was extremely interesting experience on a number of levels. Won't go down that rabbit hole. But basically, you can't go to Salt Lake City and not see a direct selling company everywhere. You can't throw a rock in that town without hitting a direct selling company. They're, they're huh. just all over the place. So I just went to Yannique, Young Living, every company you can imagine, gathered a bunch of information, took it back to South Carolina, and raised more money from that experience. And um, once we synthesized everything, we learned how to connect companies' inventories to social engagement platforms. So we learned that we're the bridge. We're not the whole product. We're the bridge that no one, we're providing a service that no one else provides, right? So that's where we kind of learned our place in the market. So what we do now is we launched uh, Joy, which uh, again, combines companies' inventories with social engagement platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, and Zoom. And this allows um, companies to sell products on those social engagement platforms so the buyers don't ever have to leave and go to an outside website and just buy the product there. Okay, so walk me through this in terms of a customer experience on both the, I guess, the vendor side as well as the consumer side, how this works. So, so someone someone wants to buy something. Sure, so specifically with Zoom, I'll use them as, as an example. So everyone knows Zoom. Zoom has really done a good job at branding itself. When people go live, they just say, hey, let's do a Zoom, right? But right now you can't buy or sell anything during a Zoom meeting. So what we've done is we've we've taken the 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 company inventory, we process it in our web app, we do this magic sync, we call it, and we output it to a Zoom environment. So when you join a meeting, you you will see a list of products to your right, to the right of the of the screen, and you can click on a product, buy a product, and 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 complete the purchase without ever leaving the Zoom meeting. And the Zoom host sees that and can thank you in real time for it. So this is something, again, it kind of goes back to our roots of Crowder, but now we're kind of doing it in a different way. We're taking an existing social platform like Zoom and just making it monetizable. So is this like a an influencer drop shipping the products they're promoting? Basically, yeah, because what we can do is we can <clears throat> we can integrate with any company, any, any e-commerce platform. So no, okay. no matter how complex it is. And direct selling companies have very complex inventory and payment systems. So that's our thing. Okay. So that that's interesting. And I and I know it's still a work in progress, but what we we really wanted to talk about was your experience with pre-revenue fundraising. And mm-hmm. and this is something that as angels uh, we struggle with because we like to see companies that have a product that has some demonstration of customer acceptance. So product market fit. And Revenue is the simplest way to manifest product market fit. Right. And so if you don't have revenue, angels are frequently asked, well, how do we know your product is something that consumers want? Mm -hmm. And so it's a hard sell. So let's talk a little bit about that, starting out with, okay, who did you target to raise money from and how did you manage that raise? So I, I get stressed just thinking about that because that was, I mean, we, we thought about that so intensely for such a long time. So the, the first element that has to be in place is a clear, identifiable problem. It can't just be, hey, well, this would be cool if this existed. It has to be a problem in the marketplace that everyone knows needs to be solved. Like when I talk about 
you know, people being able to sell with Zoom, everyone knows, oh yeah, sure, that that's a thing. I need to be able to sell products with it without having leaving Zoom and going to an outside environment or website to purchase the product. So a clearly identifiable problem is a must. In terms of who you raise money from, it's re- it'd be ideal to raise money from people in like the direct selling space, for instance, but good luck finding that because there's not a lot of investors in that space. So it really takes, a, uh, it, it's helpful to find people who, understand problems, understand the solution that you have and the opportunity, that FOMO sort of effect where it's like, hey, this is a thing and this is going to get solved. These are the guys to do it. So we need to invest and get behind these, get, get behind the jockey to do it, right? Um, it's also extremely helpful to have a lot of research at your disposal, which is why I moved out to Salt Lake City. I didn't just say, hey, this is a thing. Please, please invest in my company. I spent a year out there of really pounding the pavement um, drawing a lot of information from 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 these client interviews, and I, I I entered Salt Lake City with one idea, and I left it with a different one based on the research, based on the, those conversations. So that's another helpful component. Yeah, so that's real learning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you're you're on the road raising money. How do you select? Who do you go to? How many? organizations or people did you approach? Tell, tell us about your experience in terms of success, non-success. Sure. I have one rule. Do not ever turn down a pitch. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a grandma in a, in a living room, because at the end of the day, I probably won't get that person's money. I may not even want that person's money at the end of the day if there's not a lot of expertise there, but it helps me pitch because pitching is its own art form, as you well know, and you have to convey the problem, convey the solution effectively. And I have probably well over a hundred different iterations of my pitch deck. I have changed that sucker. I don't know how many times. And it's because of those pitches. So I do a shotgun approach. I never turn out a pitch. I will always pitch it because I, I, it helps me kind of learn my product and market a little better. And it helps me get feedback better because I love learning from what kind of questions investors ask me. I love that. And I love being challenged on it. Like, where people are trying to poke holes in it because that helps me. So even if I don't get money from it, at least I'm learning what the potential holes are. So I, I so I, I like I said, I don't turn down a pitch. I pitch anyone at any time when I'm raising money. So how many pitches did you do for Booster? Oh man, I I drove all across the region doing pitches. I went to multiple states. I have no idea the number. More than I could. I mean, literally, that was my full time job. More than a hundred. Potentially around that number. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. And so what kind of success did you have? So um, so Venture South, we raised money from, which was extremely helpful. Um, that was like the whole investor circuit of going to all their different chapters, which was, I mean, the Investor South team is amazing. So I have nothing but the highest praise for them. And um, we also raised money from a, a firm in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Defiance Ventures, Great, great crew, great team over there that really understands what we're doing and is passionate about helping us. What we learned from them was the value of B2B sales. They know B2B sales, like like I, I, I hope I obtained to that level one day. So just knowing and understanding B2B sales from them has been a val- very valuable experience. So that was smart money that we got both from Venture South and from uh, Defined Spend. So how much did you raise then? Uh, like total overall, a little over 200000 Okay. Hold that thought. I want to take a break to invite our listeners to rate and review our podcast and to engage us directly. So feel free to email us and ask us questions or if you have suggestions for the show. 
Venture in the South is brought to you by the Rolling South Fund, a rolling fund focused on southeastern startups. The fund allows quarterly investment with a minimum of just $5,000. For more information, please go to rollingsouth.vc. Okay, Michael, so you, you've raised a couple hundred thousand, beating the pavement with a pre-revenue concept, and then you develop the concept a little bit. Tell us about that experience. So development mode was, honestly, there wasn't a lot of guesswork. And, and looking back on it, again, I have to draw from that Salt Lake City trip. We, we knew what we needed to execute pretty in a detailed manner. What, you really want to make it extremely simple as possible from the beginning. The, the, the temptation is always project creep. We're like, well, wouldn't it be cool if this feature were in there? It has to be a flying, uh, just um, tin can version of what the MVP, as everyone calls it. So we launched a very simple web app with a very simple API that was very flexible. We could we could input it into Facebook, Instagram. Then later on, Zoom just kind of dropped in our plate because we were helping a company with their inventory. And then Zoom was also attached to that company and Zoom approached us about partnering with them. So that was a very fortuitous opportunity that just kind of cropped up. So uh, the development process is just, we, we try to be very simple, very slow, methodical, and um, over. it's still simple to this day, honestly. So before you you migrated to Joy, did you have customers? So we had we, we had clients sporadically here and there, right? We had uh, you know users with the Booster app. We had um, in all different kinds of sectors of the market. We were um, really trying to tackle Etsy people for a while with with the Booster app, but uh, we we had some of them. But the thing is, they kept complaining to us that it didn't sync with their Etsy inventory because Etsy is it's all it's its whole thing. It's it's pretty complicated to manage. So we've always had little users here or there, but now with Joy, we're, we're going into the B2B2C space, right? So you, like we'll, we'll tackle a direct selling company and then we get their, their uh, consultants representatives as a result of that. Okay, so you had some hit and miss customers, a little bit of traction, not a lot. You raised that 200,000. What else did you do in terms of fundraising? In terms of fundraising, it was just, um, like I said, just pitching like crazy. So you were continuously, so you you did this raise with Venture South and a few others, and you had the booster thing, you or your Crowder thing, you pivoted to booster. Did you raise more money after that pivot to booster? Um, after the pivot to booster, no. Well, so we, we raised money pre-Crowder, then we raised money pre-Joy. Okay. So what was the experience raising money pre-Joy? So you you had hit and miss customers, a little bit of traction. You pivoted mm-hmm. multiple times. Tell us how you went about raising money. Because again, you're kind of in this situation where you don't really have a product with traction. Right. So it's an idea. It's a concept. Mm-hmm. And this is the sort of thing that is, it's a hard sell to angels. So how did you sell it? Extremely hard. So like in terms of, the, I'm trying to go back to my pitch deck at the time. Um, so the pitch deck was, of course, very, you know, problem. This is the solution. This is why we're the ones to do it. So the pitch deck at the time, just it, I didn't really harp on, you know, the team as much. It was, it was just really focused on the industry we were tackling and why this is a problem. I had to validate that this is a problem in the industry that we're, that we're pursuing. And that was your year in Salt Lake. Right, right. So th- that was a lot of that got incorporated into the pitch. And yeah, that's basically it. So, so you tuned the pitch. How was that received by whoever you went to? You know, we got, um, it was pretty receptive because the thing is, 
If you're not familiar with, with the direct sales industry and how their checkout process worked, it was beyond clunky. We're talking like mega clunky because- Lots of friction. Tons of buyer friction because you had to go in there and you, if you wanted to buy a product, you had to add it to your cart, but then you had like 10 other steps to get mm-hmm. to it. Uh-huh. And with us, we said, well, look, this is what we're doing. We're going to take that experience and put it on like say Facebook, for instance, you you tap on the shop now button on a post you see the checkout the, the checkout box appear. You type in your information. You're done. So two steps. Two steps. Very simple. Wow. So so that's innovation, Michael. Mm-hmm. And and this is I think really important for founders that that might be listening or want to be founders that are listening. And also angels about this concept of problem and solution that teams that found a company have to be strong because the first solution almost never works. Their business plan never makes it beyond the first couple of iterations of their business. And so it changes and the team has to be able to manage change, be creative Mm -hmm. and execute on a different plan. And it's frequently on the fly. So they're evolving over time. And that's exactly what you're describing, that you started with one concept of the problem one concept of a solution with experience and banging your head against hundreds of walls, you then gathered more intel and reformulated, pivoted, did some more experiment in the marketplace, found your niche, Mm -hmm. which apparently is the bridge between the inventory and the vendors on a (laughs) Zoom-like platform and creates less friction in a process that was 10 steps and you make it two steps. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly the formula for success in a startup is finding out what the what the solution is that takes the friction out of a problem that everybody recognizes. Right. So uh, kudos to you for that. It sounds like that was a long, painful experience, which honestly, it frequently is for founders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with this second f- fundraising, what kind of success have you had? Well, so far, so we have a fully functioning product and we are... Um, the, the the Zoom dynamic has been what's been most interesting because that is something that um, that partnership with them. No longer do we have to go out there and chase all these different companies, which B two B, if anyone knows, is extremely hard. That the sales funnel is extremely long. Having Zoom send us um, clients that say, "Hey, they, they, this company wants to sell uh, oh, instead of Zoom meetings." Oh, it's beautiful. So. Yeah. That arrangement has been just a dream. That's where things start to flow is when yeah. you have that kind of strategic partnership in line where Zoom, it's in their best interest to send us their clients because that ups the Zoom usage for their clients when they yeah. when they sell products. With so Joy, one so. big difference I see in the Joy product versus your Crowder initial product is you've you've identified a problem and developed a solution and you have the solution ready to go Mm -hmm. while you're raising money. (laughs) Whereas with Booster, you were raising, or with Crowder, you were raising money to build the app. Right. And so it's a a very different thing. Now, you don't Mm -hmm. have customers necessarily, or you don't have a lot of customers, but you have a product that functions and you have some customers. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, like when we demo it now, <clears throat> sorry, when, when we demo it now, we, we get those oohs and ahs from the client now because like, oh, we can do that now. It's, uh, I, I, our host can see sales come in as they're selling it on Zoom. They can thank the person. So having that in place is, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's drastically different from the conceptual, right? Okay. So are you still fundraising now for... 
Joy? Nope, not at the moment. Right now, we're just focused on gathering clients and building, you know, adding our revenue. We'll do another raise, of course, at some point, a Series A. But right now, it's just about gathering the clients, getting those in the door, and we'll see how it goes. And what what have you been able to raise for Joy? <laughs> well, for well, total again, just overall, it's been a little over two hundred thousand. But for Joy specific, it was a little about a hundred thousand. I see. Okay, so you're you're kind of a shoestring operation. Oh, yeah. But yeah. you have a product and you have customers. Yep. Customers. I, I have my own, you know, in order to get, you know, money in the door for myself personally, I have my own um, uh, operation at night in the evenings. I build websites and I do whatever, it, you know, put together videos. So you have side gigs to generate income. Personal income. Yeah. It's, it's a full-time thing. It's all encompassing. So Okay, Michael, you, you've uh, personified the the key ingredient to a founder, which is resilience, because they get crushed commonly every day mm-hmm. and uh, and they have to be able to deal with these crushing events and be optimistic. And so kudos to you for that. And thank you for your time today and sharing this. We'll bring you back hopefully in six or 12 months and you can give us an update on your experience because it sounds like you, you have success in the future. Sure hope so. Thank you so much. This podcast is supported by Venture Carolina, an educational nonprofit focused on angel investors and entrepreneurs. Our team is built from successful entrepreneurs, investors, venture capitalists, board members, and executives that want to give back. Thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing and leaving us a review. Visit us at VentureInTheSouth.com for a complete list of previous and future shows. Contact us if you have comments or requests.